Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 3 this morning. Revelation chapter 3. If you don't know where the book of Revelation is, go to the front of your Bible at the book of Genesis and hang a right and keep going because uh, the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. So it should be easy to find uh, after the, you know, just, or you can start in the back and go forward. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3. Last week we talked about living your faith. With this being Missions Emphasis Month, we, I, I felt like oftentimes we've, we believe that missions happens in other countries. And what I tried to do last week, I hope I was successful, was to remind us that missions starts right here. And it starts with our lives and our responsibilities uh, to share the gospel. But I cannot think of any greater challenge than to live our faith for Missions Evans month. We, over the last couple of years, have faced amazing challenges, have we not? Uh, I, I spent some time just contemplating some of the some of the things I came up with. With uh, uh, um, I think it's five five different thought-provoking challenges that we have been through over the last year or two. The, the first one that I, that I, that I thought of was I, I would have never dreamed in a million years that we would have been encouraging people to stay home from church. Just saying you know, I mean, we could say all that we could include work in that, too. I mean, we were just, you know, for what what was it, like two or three weeks, we just shut down. Boom. I didn't even think that would be possible. But we did it. The second thought, and I, I don't know if you have thought this. I, I have just because of my, my quote-unquote job uh, and just... Uh, uh, things that I've been in, uh, involved with over the last uh, year and a half, year, year and a half, um, through some of it through the sheriff's department. Um, but the number of families that are struggling now is exploding. It is. It it, it has increased exponentially. Suicide rate over the past couple of years has risen significantly. The United States, about 50% of married couples in the United States today will, will be divorced. That is the sixth highest divorce rate in the world. In 2020, nearly 19 million children, amounting to 25% of children in the U.S., are living in single-family homes. The percentage is nearly three times the level it was in 1960 at 
I do want to say this, though. Uh, my hat goes off to single parents. I, 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 I couldn't have done it. <laughs> Just saying. It's, it, 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 it's a lot of hard, hard work. And I thank God for single parents that keep an emphasis of God in their homes. The third thought was secular humanism is being taught in our schools, colleges, and universities today. Along with that, I want to say this also. Uh, I, I, I appreciate Christian teachers and professors and, 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 and the, in that realm that keep the light shining for Jesus Christ in a very dark place. The problem that they face is they are way outnumbered. And their numbers are decreasing. And our children are being fed humanism, or or not fed, but taught humanism. We need to be so very careful. A fourth thought. Now, again, this is something you probably would not even think about or even know about. But retiring ministry leaders... Right now, in America today, there are more churches that need pastors than people qualified, or men qualified to pastor those churches. Most churches, right now, if a pastor quits, retires, dies, whatever, uh, they, they have a two to three year search to get a new pastor if they can even get one. I know a church that was without a pastor for over six years. A fifth thought. Again, I don't know if you've thought about this. You might have because I told you to turn the book of Revelation. But we are living in the layout of the sea and age. The, the church of Laodicea is a one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And we are living in a, in a world today where the church is lethargic. The church used to be a place that was different. And people could go to church to find something that was different than the world. But that's getting harder and harder in our world today. Many churches today have nothing really to offer a lost and searching world. Let's start reading in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, let let me stop right there, just in case you're wondering uh, if you've ever read the book of Revelation and it it refers to the the angels of the seven churches, it's it's referring to the pastors, by by the way, just kind of thought I'd throw that out there. Um, And unto the angel or the pastor of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, 
that thou art neither cold nor hot. And I would thou wert cold or hot, so that because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the and that the, the shame of thy nakedness doth not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your word and the, the power and the, 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 the changed lives that can happen when we surrender to your will, for, to your word in our lives. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would challenge our hearts, that you would challenge our thinking, and that you would help us to draw close to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now Jesus here is addressing the church of Laodicea. And he uses multiple word pictures, but I'm going to pick out two of them this morning to help illustrate uh, a couple of principles that Jesus was trying to communicate to this church. The first one is the fact that he called them lukewarm. Now, I have a picture for you. At least I hope I do. There you go. Okay. <clears throat> Here we have the city of Laodicea. And <clears throat> to the north of Laodicea was a city called Heropolis. To the south, was a city called Colossae. Now, what is interesting here is that <clears throat> Heropolis was known for its hot mineral springs. Um, they, had, they had these hot mineral springs that, that people would travel there, and, and much like they do here in the United States, whenever you find a mineral springs, they, they would sit in it, and it would be, it would be therapeutic. It was beneficial, Okay. Uh, that that's that that the uh, the key the key word I want you to take here with Heropolis it was beneficial. Okay, Colossae on the other hand was also well known, but it was known for the <clears throat> the cool refreshing water. I I don't I have I was not able to find out why their water was so cold but it was cold and refreshing on a hot summer day you would want to go to Colossae and soak in the cold cool waters why because it would refresh you okay so the key word here for the city of Colossae is refreshing beneficial 
and refreshing. Now, what would happen is the, the hot beneficial waters from Heropolis would flow downriver to Laodicea. The waters from Colossae would flow down to Laodicea. And the problem was, by the time the hot beneficial waters got to Laodicea and the cold refreshing waters got here, guess what? They were lukewarm. They would, they would mix in Laodicea and they were lukewarm and they were worthless. They were no longer beneficial. They were no longer refreshing, but they were, it was just lukewarm water that was worthless. And this is the word picture that Jesus is giving these people in the church of Laodicea. He's saying, you know what? <clears throat> you're, you're, you, you have become lukewarm. <clears throat> the, two, the two tributaries between Heropolis and Colossae merged in Laodicea. And, it, and if you can picture what Jesus is trying to communicate, God did not hate the church of Laodicea. He didn't hate them. He was, he was trying to communicate to them a very important principle, and that is, hey, you are no longer beneficial. You're no longer refreshing. You're just lukewarm. And if you understand <clears throat> the seven churches of Revelation in prophetic, in, in prophetic history, uh, when it was written, it was, it was outlining seven church ages. And every, every theologian that I've ever read believes that today we are in the seventh or the Laodicean church age. The church is lethargic. The church no longer makes a difference in our world today. We have, we have, uh, I, I read this, uh, well, let, let, before I get there, let me say this. The second, let me, let me go to the next word picture that, that uh, Jesus is trying to give to the church of Laodicea. We find it in verse 18. He says, I counsel thee to, to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness doth not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest <clears throat> that thou mayest see now through history we have learned that there was a university of sorts or a medical hospital um, in the city of Laodicea the thing that this particular hospital or university or whatever you want to call it was known for was they had developed, because of the soil around Laodicea, a special eye salve that people from all over the Middle East would, would, would buy to 
uh, cure eye problems. So when Jesus here is addressing the church of Laodicea, and he says this, they know exactly what he's talking about. Let's look at the end of verse 18 again. It says, Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Laodicea was known throughout all the Middle East because of the eye salve that was developed and produced by this hospital or whatever it was. Everybody at that church understood what Jesus was saying. Now, was let me ask you, was he telling them that they were all physically blind? No, that's not what he was saying. They were all spiritually blind. They had become so lethargic, so lukewarm, that they could not see their own problems. And he's telling them, he's like, you need to put spiritual salve on your eyes so that you can see. Go back to uh, verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. I fear the day that I get to the point in my life where I say that. Because I'll be honest with you, I need Jesus Christ. My hope is in Jesus Christ. It is not in the almighty dollar. It is not in Washington, D.C. or Carson City. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And I, I hope nobody thinks I'm getting political because that's not the intent. My hope is in Jesus Christ, and, that, and that's it. One of the commentators I, I read wrote this. The church of Laodicea is typical of modern church today. Quite unconscious of its spiritual needs and is consumed with beautiful buildings and all the material money uh, uh, excuse me, all the material things that money can buy. This week, <clears throat> Brandon and I went to a revival uh, a church in, in, in Reno. And I was talking to one of the pastors that <clears throat> was, was speaking at this, this meeting. And he asked me, he says, uh, <clears throat> uh, how old, how old is your church? Because I, I told him that uh, my, my wife and I moved here and started the church. So he said, well, how old is it? I said, well, the church is 12 years old. And then he asked me that. He says, do you have your own building? Now, let, let, let me tell you something. When a pastor asks another pastor that, what's he asking? How, how big is your church? Or, or, or more specifically, how prosperous is your church? And I said, no. I said, we're still in a storefront. Or, or, no, I didn't use the word still. I said, no, we're in, we're in a storefront. And he went, oh. And I, and I said, well, we have a beautiful facility God's given us. And, and I, was trying, I was trying to explain that we just expanded to these two units next door and blah, 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 blah. And he just kind of, oh, okay, and he just walked away. 
I thought of this. Now, I happen to know this pastor, and I happen to have seen his church, and it's, it's huge, and it's beautiful. How sad. How very sad. You know what? I, I'm just going to say it. I'd rather have church under a tree and be right with God Okay, I'm just glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> Jesus uses these two, well, there's actually multiple, but I just don't have time today to, to go through all of them. But he uses two word pictures to help the people in Laodicea hopefully see their need for him. The fact that they were lukewarm and the fact that they needed ISAF. So point number one this morning, quickly. I need to move quickly here. I'm running out of time. Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, we see in verse number 14, the church belongs to the Lord. Okay? This church does not belong to Rick Lynn. It does not belong to Mike Coker or, or anybody here. This is God's church. Okay? And for whatever reason, God has allowed us to be a part of it. That's right. But look at verse 14 uh, in our passage. It says, And under the church, uh, uh, the angel of the church laid us say, Write these things, say it, the amen, the faithful and true witness, uh, the beginning of the creation of God. In these verses, Jesus Christ here is introducing himself as the amen, the faithful and true witness, and the ruler of God's creation. The word amen here literally means so be it. So when you when you use the word amen, like if somebody says something and you go, Amen, what you're saying is so be it. It's a it's a word of declaration. And what he's saying here is that he that that the when he calls himself the Amen. He is referring to the fact that the sovereignty of God in which is behind human events. We just sang a song that God is in control. God rules this world. And we can can guess and we can manipulate things, but you know, ultimately, God is in control. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loveth us and washed us from our sins and in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And speaking of himself as the faithful and true witness, he is repeating what he had said earlier in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. And the angel of the church of Philippi write these things, saith uh, he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key 
of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. He he refers to himself as the ruler of God's creation. Christ existed before creation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and following, it says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath uh, translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have uh, um, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Those of you that know me know that I, I, like, I like numbers and, and charts and percentages and you know, the, my brain... That's how my brain works. I read a, a recent Gallup poll. I wanted to read. I wanted to read this to you. A, a new poll indicates that American church membership has fallen below the majority for the first time. Data from Gallup tracked church membership across eighty the the, the past eighty years, starting in 1973, or, or excuse me starting with 73% in 1937. Too many numbers right there. Uh, and peaked <clears throat> just after World War II at 76% of American uh, 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 church membership. In the past 20 years, we have seen a sharp drop-off falling to 70%, uh, percent, uh, excuse me, falling from 70% to 47% at this time. For the first time in our country's history, more people have no church affiliation than have church affiliation. That's a scary thought. Could it be that fewer people are attending church today because of lukewarm churches. Could it be that Bible-believing churches are in need of some ISAF? Could it be that our community is full of people that are looking for people that are different? I believe it is. Matthew chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed be thou, uh, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what, what Jesus is saying here, and this is important, we get this. What Jesus is saying is, this is, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, he's, what he's, he's not saying upon that rock, Peter, but he's saying this rock, i.e. 
myself, I will build my church. The word Peter here uh, is an interesting word. It means stone or can often, often define a layer of soil that sets on top of bedrock. How many of you have ever tried to dig a hole on top of bedrock? You know, the first few inches, maybe foot or so, you're digging away and you're like, hey, this ain't too bad. And then your shovel goes, ding. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's Peter or Petros. That's 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 what his name means. But it says here, but this rock, the word rock used there <clears throat> is, is not Petros, but Petra, which means bedrock. And he said, what he's saying is, you're a stone, Peter. You're the topsoil. But upon the bedrock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. The same exact word, bedrock. Not petros, topsoil, but on bedrock. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And he is the head of the body. The church who is uh, the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Jesus Christ, the church belongs to him. The church belongs to the Lord, number one. Number two, the world needs the message that we have. This is Missions Emphasis Month. We need to get the message out. Another Gallup poll shows, uh, this is the title, the title of the poll. It says American health, excuse me, American mental health ratings sink to new low. 34% of adult Americans, 34% of adult Americans say their mental health is excellent. Let that sink in a second. 34%. That is down from 43% in 2019. Two years, it's dropped 9%. The article went on. It says Americans' le- uh, latest assessment of their mental health is worse than it has been at any point in the last two decades. 76% of American adults rate their mental health uh, positively, representing a 9% decline from 2019. But get this, and this is this is why I want to read this to you because. This, I read this and was like, "Wow, that that I I would it, it I believe it, but I it just it was stunning to me." The only group, according to Gallup, the only group of Americans whose mental health improved during the pandemic were those who attended church on a regular basis. And there, there is a distinct difference, between, according to the poll, 
between those who casually attend and those who frequently attend. And it was the only category of American adults that their mental health improved during the pandemic were those who regularly attend church. Now, I am not surprised by that at all. I'm just surprised that they published it. Question for you. Could it be that God has allowed this pandemic to help us see our need of him? I, I, I believe that that could be one of many reasons. Has God given up on the people of this world? Absolutely not. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses uh, unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. The world needs the message that we have. Fernley needs the message that we have. Lyon County needs the message. Nevada needs the message. The world needs the message. Wednesday afternoon, <clears throat> I got a phone call that I needed to make my way to the hospital because Lori was going to be transitioning. And those of you that know Lori know what I'm talking about. So I rushed to the hospital as fast as I could. And, and I, I've been there multiple times to help families through difficult things. And those of you that know Lori know that she never does anything like anybody else. And when I walked in the door, I, I don't know really what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I got. I walked in the door, and <clears throat> she's sitting up in bed, and she starts laughing with her oxygen on. She starts laughing at me. She says, I win. You know, number one, that is not what you expect in that environment. So I just kind of, I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she says, I win. I get to see Jesus before you. My heart was jealous. I mentioned a minute ago that Brandon and I had been at a revival the, just the night before on Tuesday. <clears throat> and this particular revival had two, two different speakers. And the first speaker spoke on a passage from Luke chapter 16. I'd like to read this passage to you because as soon as she said that well I shouldn't say as soon but after it kind of sunk in what she was saying I started thinking about what had happened just the night before this passage that was was preached on 
in Luke chapter 16, and this is kind of lengthy, so I'm going to try and go through it as quickly as I can, but I want you to bear with me here. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 and following says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell lifted up his eyes, being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us, Uh, Between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from, uh, from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one raised from the dead. And as I stood there and processed Lori's victory, I was reminded once again, there is a real heaven. And there's a real hell. And just as heaven was real to Lori that day, there are people passing into eternity all around us who will never see it. Lori Lori won. I wanted to say to her after after I left, I thought about it. I, thought, I said, "My, I, I wanted to say later. I, I didn't, but I, I wish I had. Yeah, but mine's gonna be prettier. My mansion's gonna be prettier than yours. I, I gotta win somehow with her. But later, I thought about this this verse, John chapter fourteen, verses two and three. 
and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Just as we look forward to heaven, there is a heaven, there is a place called heaven that we will be able to reside with Jesus Christ forever. What a glorious day when we cross from this life to the next. But I'm here to tell you there is a reality that we don't always like to look at. And that is there is the reality of hell. And we have a responsibility, not only as a church, but as individuals to be beneficial and refreshing and not lukewarm. We have a message and people need the message. And way too often it is so easy for us to Go through life doing our, our, our thing during the week. Go to our jobs and, and go through our routines. And we get so consumed with our routines, we forget to, to look around us and see that there are people that need the Lord all around us. And I was reminded Wednesday. <clears throat> I didn't know I was in a race, but I lost. I may not be in a race to, to see how many people I can win to Christ or whatever the, the terminology you want to use, but you know what? I do have a duty to live for God. I do have a responsibility to share the message that can change lives, that can give freedom like glory has. The church belongs to the Lord. Number two, the world needs the message that we have. What are you going to do about it? I hope and pray you do two things. Well, three things. Three things. One, you share the message. Two, that you pray for our missionaries because this is missions. This is my, pray for our missionaries because they're on the front lines. And then three, pray about what God would have you do to give. But number one, share the message. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am truly grateful for your love, for all that you do and for all that you're going to do, and not only in my life, but in, in the lives of our church. And Lord, I, I, I am just beside myself with the opportunities that you have given us to share the gospel And Lord, I ask that you would have your way in our lives. That you would help us to be more like you.
with every head